Well, it's so good to see your faces here. It means that you're not home watching Canada. <laughs> right? There's a soccer game going on. I didn't even know, honestly. <laughs> so, anyway, um, as, uh, as Uberson mentioned, we've been on a journey, right, with all of these uh, letters that Paul has written, and today we've arrived at uh, Paul's final instructions. And I don't have slides with me today, but I want us to open our Bibles, and if you don't have one, we have pew Bibles there in front of you, to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 18. All right, if you have the app as well, as I say to the teen class, all right, we have no excuse today, right? We have a way to read the Bible no matter what. Before I, before I, uh, I begin and we, we look at this, let's just, uh, let's just pray once again just for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Father, we thank you again, Lord, that we have this opportunity to be in your house as brothers and sisters, God, to to encourage each other in our faith, Lord, but to look to you as well for our salvation. And Father, as we look at these words of Paul and his instructions to the church, Lord, as a spiritual father to this group, Lord, uh, we thank you. We thank you, God, for these words that can also apply to our hearts. And so I pray that it would be instructive, beneficial to us today, and that your Holy Spirit would speak to everyone here. In your name, amen. And so this journey that we started back in the spring began with the letter to the Galatians, with the knowledge that the righteous shall live by faith. We've been set free from the bonds of the law. The epistle of Ephesians declares that our salvation is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one would boast. It also describes to us that unity in the body of Christ is only achieved with each other through Humility, gentleness, and patience. Philippians, the epistle of joy, exemplifies the humility of Christ, who humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And casting aside our anxieties, Paul tells us and exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord with prayer and thanksgiving. And so, we conclude our study in Colossians we who were once hostile to God have been reconciled to him through the death of Christ. Chapter 4 is Paul's final instructions and greetings to the church in Colossae. He's drawn it all to a close. And this faithful and loving group of believers that, that simply met in homes received words of encouragement from Paul who was in prison, shackled in chains. As a leader, the Apostle Paul had left the church in good hands. Today we'd say there was a secession plan in place. And in this closing chapter, we're reintroduced to the faithful minister Epiphras, our beloved servant, as Paul writes, who spoke highly of the church to Paul and their love in the Spirit. And there are eight other faithful ones that we'll read about that were active members and supporters of the work in Colossae and also with Paul during his time in prison. And there are three words from our text that I want us to highlight, that I want to highlight and expound upon as we read this portion of Scripture. And they're simply watchful, walk, and work. All right, three W's. Watchful, walk, and work. 
And we'll see how Paul refers to them here in the passage this morning and how we can apply them and live, live them out in our life and our faith. And so my message of encouragement is directed toward those who are serving the body of Christ, but also as a challenge to new believers who are beginning their spiritual journey and to those who are perhaps sitting on the bench waiting for that call from the coach to use a, a sports analogy to get into the game. So let's read together from Colossians 4, 2 to 18. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may be an encouragement, and he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And so this morning, simply the words of encouragement I want to share with us are, let's be watchful in prayer, walk in wisdom, and work hard for the gospel. Paul begins his final instructions with the words, continue steadfastly. And the Greek word here means to be courageously persistent, or to hold fast and not let go. Persevere in prayer. And as followers of Christ, now that we've put to death what is earthly and put on godly living, prayer must be a natural part of our existence as Christians. And here in verse 3, he's specific about his prayer. Despite being in prison, Paul prayed that God would open a door for the gospel to be declared once again. But not only that a door would be opened, but that his words would be clear. 
Even in prison, in the worst of circumstances, the Apostle Paul asked the church to pray for him in this way. What a great prayer for us as well. And you may say, oh, Holy Spirit, I have this opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Give me boldness, I pray, or, or, or God, I, I have a decision I must make. Open doors for me. Guide and allow me to discern this opportunity in wisdom. Perhaps it's a, a business decision that you must make, or a, a career path that you must choose, or a relationship that must start or end. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that before? Think about the opportunities and the people we encounter each day, month, and year. Or, that's right. And the decisions that must be made. When an open door or an opportunity is presented to me, we should ask ourselves the following questions. Things to think about here. Have I prayed about this opportunity? Will this opportunity bring glory to God? Will this opportunity bless others? Will open doors bring me closer to God or draw me away from Him because of this decision that I've taken? And will this decision dishonor God? Some food for thought for us today. Remember that open doors from God never contradict Scripture. It's God's Word, right, that's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If we're offered an opportunity that comes with a bribe, guess what? It's not an opportunity, it's a test of our integrity. If I'm finding myself going in many directions and filled with fear and anxiety, I must ask myself, is the word leading me? When God opens doors, brothers and sisters, no one can close them. Amen. The Apostle Peter gave this warning and spoke of being watchful in our prayers and doing it with a sober mind. Remember that our enemy waits and seeks for the right opportunity to pounce. Watch out. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 9. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And Jesus also gave his followers the ultimate warning. He gave us the ultimate warning about the need to remain faithful in these last days that we are living and the soon day of his return. Don't be caught sleeping. Stay alert. I like the New Living Translation's description here of Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36. Jesus says, Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert and at, all, at all times. And pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors that stand before the Son of Man. In speaking of the importance of prayer in the health of the church, 
Tom Rayner, you may know him, a Christian author and former president of Lifeway Christian Resources. He wrote a book, a small book, very interesting, entitled Autopsy of a Deceased Church, 12 Ways to Keep Yours Alive. And in the chapter that he devoted to prayer, he says, and I quote, prayer and the health of the church went hand in hand. When the church is engaged in meaningful prayer, it becomes both the cause and the result of greater church health. A failure to pray in the New Testament church was tantamount to a failure to breathe. No prayer, no hope, and the church starts dying. I pray that we would continue to hunger to be a church that's watchful in prayer. Secondly, walk in wisdom. Verse 5, Paul says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. How does one walk in wisdom? Walking here refers to our conduct in daily life. For one thing, it means that we're careful not to say or do anything that would make it difficult for us to share the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we must also be alert to use opportunities God gives us. And Paul used this same language when exhorting the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, he speaks about the importance to walk in love. Verse 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And if I'm now a newborn Christian, having been raised with Christ, I must daily put to death what is earthly in me and put on the Lord Jesus Doug Virgin spoke about that two weeks ago in chapter 3. Chapter 3 is our guide for what we are to reject and what we are to embrace if we want to be effective witnesses for Christ. We must ask ourselves this morning, who am I walking with? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Right? We tell our children, watch out who you hang around with. Take a look at the people we surround ourselves with, our friends, our companions. Are they filled with a desire to live a wise and godly life? You know, James, I'm having problems walking wisely. Trouble seems to follow me everywhere I go. Well, here's some wise counsel. Those of you that know Charles Stanley, who wrote a book, very good. I, I encourage you. It's highly recommended for me. Uh, how to reach your full potential for God. And these are some of the steps that we could take to walk in wisdom. And in it he says, have a strong determination to walk wisely. Call for it, seek and search for it. The book of Proverbs, right, is full of words of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 says that when you do these things, you will understand, you will begin to understand what it means to have the fear of the Lord. Pray for wisdom. God, give me a discerning heart in my interactions with others. Meditate on God's word. Actively obey and apply it. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
deceiving ourselves. And lastly, let's be sensitive to the nudging, you know, that little nudge that we get and leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Don't quench him, as 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, end quote. Brothers and sisters, we must consistently root ourselves in the mind of God, the words of Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. Let us humble ourselves before God in reverent fear and ask Him for ample amounts of wisdom so that we can walk securely as we face these growing darker days that we live in. And lastly, work hard for the gospel. In these closing verses of chapter 4, no other Pauline letter gives this much detail as to the amount of fellow workers who supported Paul and led the church, such as in Colossae. It's a fascinating look at how God uses and gifts each one of us to advance the gospel. From the church pastors, such as Tychicus, who is described as one beloved and faithful minister, as a fellow minister, he was an encourager. Onesimus was a former bondservant or slave and, and a member of the church in Colossae. And I'm sure he testified of the grace that was extended to him by Philemon, his brother in Christ. Leaders need a strong group of staff and fellow workers who will be encouragers, comforting leaders with faithful work. The Apostle Paul acknowledged Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice as his helpmates. Brothers and sisters, we can't do it alone, right? The leadership here at RBC rely on our fellow workers and volunteers to be faithful in their ministry. If you've committed yourself to volunteer, show up early. Have a smile on your face. God deserves our best. Amen? Let's not use God's grace as an excuse for mediocrity or complacency in serving the body of Christ. Ministry is hard work. Just read about Epaphras in verse 12. He was a fellow Gentile believer, servant, and prayer warrior. Scripture says he worked hard for the church, struggling on the church's behalf in his prayers. I'm thankful for prayer warriors here at RBC too. Those who lift up the church and its needs in, in intercessory prayer. And I'm grateful for the ladies who meet every Friday morning for Pat Dawson and Elise Nafakis that lead that group of women. And for the weekly Bible studies who incorporate prayer as part of their time together. During the COVID years and to this day with the help of Zoom, the leadership have also committed to meeting every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. to pray for the needs of the church. And it's not always easy, I'll admit. But I'm thankful for our brother Uberson. It starts our time together. And I get, he's the first person I see on a Thursday morning anyway. It's so wonderful. And it's an honor to stand in the gap, brothers and sisters, and lift up prayers for those who are suffering with illness. Right? We do that for each other or struggling in their faith to persevere. The Apostle Paul also mentioned the beloved physician Luke. What a comfort he must have been to Paul in prison, looking after his physical ailments and, and being a strong fellow worker by Paul's side. 
The two of them were shipmates on Paul's missionary journeys. And we could say that they were in the trenches together fighting the spiritual battle as beloved brothers in Christ. Nympha had the gift of hospitality as she opened her home to host church services there. And I know of many women who have the gift of hospitality and also for preparing meals for those that are in need. None of this goes unnoticed. Many of you have opened your homes for Bible studies again during the week. And it's such a blessing to be together again. Amen? In the letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 3 to 8, Paul speaks about the gifts that God gives to each one in the church. I'll just open my, my parentheses here for a moment and say how much fun a couple of weeks ago we had in our teen class to talk about, <laughs> the girls are already laughing at the back, about how we're just like, you know, the body of Christ is made up of many parts, right? And so imagine if we were just one big giant ear, <laughs> you know, and I had some of them draw some uh, anatomy on the board. It was quite interesting. Anyway. <laughs> Romans, let's see what it says. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so whether it's preaching, teaching, greeting, hosting, or, or serving, or selfless giving in any capacity, do it with love and excellence. Psalms 134 verse 1, the psalmist speaks about the servants of the Lord. Some of you that are a little older may remember that. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Am I the only one that sang that song? Anyway. <laughs> Psalm 134, verse 1, the psalmist speaks about the servants of the Lord who stood by night serving in the temple. And though they served in relative obscurity, God blessed them. I'm thankful for those who quietly make hospital visits without fanfare. Or those who serve at church when no one else is seeing what they've done. Be willing to invest your time here at RBC or whatever God has called you to do. Let's be part of the solution rather than bolt at the first sign of a problem. Everyone is expected to contribute, whether it be within these walls or outside. There are no bystanders in the body of Christ. One will quickly come to the realization that as we grow in Christ, our gifts will increase too, right? The more faithfully we use them, guess what? The more we'll be trusted to do greater good for God's kingdom, right? I see some nodding heads. Paul says in verse 17, 
to young Archippus, who may have been the son of Philemon and Appia. See that you fulfill the ministry that you received from the Lord. Imagine hearing that letter read, and you're, and you're him. <laughs> right? Perhaps that verse is for some of us here this morning. Perhaps you were once using your spiritual gift and whatever, for whatever reason you've, you've put it aside or you've laid it aside. And this morning I encourage you, fulfill whatever God has called you to do. But sadly, there will always be some that say, oh, this Christian life, it's too difficult. James, I don't have time. I can't commit to any of these things. I have hobbies that I need to to work on. You know, it's good for me. Lastly, I present to you Demas, who was a fellow worker we read about from verse 14. His path is made clear to us in Paul's last letter that he addressed to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. The letter stated that Demas, who was in love with the present world, what did he do? He abandoned Paul to Thessalonica. Brothers and sisters, we can't serve two masters. We'll either hate one and love the other. Who do you serve today? Despite his own physical ailments, from multiple beatings and poor eyesight, the Apostle Paul was able to write the final greeting in his own hand. He concludes it by saying, remember my chains. Brothers and sisters, this statement from Paul speaks of the suffering that he endured for the gospel. But it's also a reminder to us that with our service will come struggles and attacks from the enemy. Thoughts that were not good enough or qualified enough, right, to do something for God's kingdom. But we could only do it because of the grace that God has extended to each one of us, right? If we look at ourselves and our own capabilities, we'll always fall short, but it's only through him that lives in us. In conclusion, my RBC family, Scripture says that it is God who has saved us and given us life. As we conclude this letter to the Colossians today, also know that we were created by him and for him to do good works. If you've put your trust in the Savior today, he saved you. But then he asks, what are you going to do with the free gift of salvation that I've given to you? If you're a recent believer and not sure how to get involved, start with a smile. Get to know the people that you sit next to. Do you know their names? I remember before COVID, we had one Sunday, or I guess a couple of Sundays, where we put name tags on everybody. I think that was great. Because then I always went back, oh, I remember, hey, Ed, <laughs> that's Ed. <laughs> I've heard that name so many times, right? It gets us to know our church family. Start with simple acts of service. Today we have a newcomer's lunch. Some of you will be attending that. You'll get opportunities to serve. We have tables and chairs to put away. <laughs> right? And you know what? When we do that, 
When we serve, you know what? We take our focus off ourselves and our problems to serve and bless others. And there's no greater joy and reward to serve the body of Christ. Ultimately, one day, I want to hear, and I'm sure you want to hear these precious words of Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The book of Colossians has been written. Our story here continues, right? We have those words to encourage us to persevere. And so my challenge, my encouragement for everyone here this morning is if you're not sure how I could be used, and I'm thinking about the younger ones, the teens, and I encourage them and I challenge them in our class. Pray that God would help you. If you're good with people, be a greeter. If you're very shy, maybe greeting is not the first thing for you to start with. <laughs> right? But be available. God will bless our church and continue to strengthen us and let us grow. Amen. Amen. I want us to sing a song together. And I've asked Mark Anthony to help me with this one. If we could turn in our hymnal to 446. 446 says, I will serve thee. All right, it's a simple song. We'll just sing it once and then halfway through we'll just go back and sing again. And it speaks about us wanting to serve God because we love Him. Because He's given life to us. And so this is the desire that we have. Amen, 446. How about we stand and then we'll close. Let's sing this together. <clears throat>